Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast, where we take uh, take a look at everything from what's up into the nighttime sky, to equipment, to helpful tips and tricks on visual and imaging. And at the end of the month, of course, we have our special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. So if you've never joined us before, the What's Up webcast takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. And if you like what you see here, um, we are glad to have you on. Um, let me just switch over here real quick so you guys can see what I'm seeing. There we go. Um, if you like what you see here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel, go ahead and hit subscribe. Leave a like on any of the videos, really. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. It helps keep us going and keeps this thing um, afloat. Now, if you've never joined us before, happy Friday. Welcome. Um, if you're joining us again, welcome back. Hope you've had a great week. Uh, thanks for being here on your Friday morning. Uh, today is our equipment talk of the month, at least for the Skywatcher line. So we're going to be digging into some of our gear that we've got available. And hopefully you guys get some uh, information out of that. Now, all these episodes are generally live uh, at the time of their presentation um but the uh let's see are generally live at the i'm sorry i've got too much going on right here are generally live um and they are all uh saved afterwards uh if you ever want to go back and check it out uh we'll be happy to take a look at it so uh thanks for coming and let's get started uh I know our audio might be a little bit off today. Um, we're running a new camera system and got a lot of new stuff. Pretty much knocked a lot of stuff out, but we'll have to get the syncing done. But I'm probably going to disappear anyway so we can go full screen uh, during this presentation. So uh, don't worry too much about it because I'm going to disappear just like that. So you won't even see me for a good chunk of this, but I will be happy to talk um with this whole thing so anyway this week we're talking about our heritage series of telescopes now if you're not familiar with the heritage line some of them have been available for several years um from Skywatcher across the world uh, the line does incorporate a lot more than we've got here right now but this is the ones that we currently offer uh, here in the states and north america now the that we have two ugh, can't talk this morning we currently have two models so we have the heritage 130 and we have the heritage 150 and the 130 was the one that you've probably seen or heard for a long time so um these are just tabletop dobsonians very simplistic very easy to use um they are a little bit short so you're going to need some kind of stand or table to obviously use them on uh, but they are very traditional dobsonian uh it's a Newtonian telescope on a basic Altaz Lazy Susan style mount. Uh, very easy to control and move around. Uh, the nice thing about these particular telescopes, however, is these aren't toys. And astronomy right now um, is kind of at this weird passing, I, I find, because there's a lot of people getting into it, but obviously some people might be tighter on budget so they'll end up getting some cheap thing from some big store and it ends up just being a massive headache for them i've done enough outreach events i've talked to enough people where 
yeah, okay, you spent $100 on this telescope and you weren't sure if you were going to get into it, but it just ends up being a really frustrating experience for a lot of people. And I've seen this time and time again. So if you're going to get into astronomy and you know you have some level of interest in it, you definitely want to make sure that even if your budget is on the smaller side, make sure you get something that's actually going to be usable, that's actually going to give you a good experience on it, that's not going to be complicated. And don't, a lot of people also want to rush into taking pictures and doing astrophotography. That is not a budget-friendly side of the hobby. Um, nothing about astrophotography is relatively affordable. So, and affordable is a very uh, fluid term um, when it comes to astrophotography and that equipment. So, the Heritage series is kind of Skywatcher's response to having something that is affordable. Both models at this time of the recording are under $300. I think both, yeah, under $300 for both of them. But they're actually giving you a real telescope. You're getting a, a true Newtonian telescope. Um, it has an actual parabolic mirror, as a Newtonian should. But the thing about it is... A lot of these more affordable telescopes that you're going to find kind of in this sub 300, probably more under 200 category are going to, they'll be a quote unquote Newtonian, but they're going to have some kind of spherical mirror. And then that means you're going to have some really weird aberrations. Um, it's a lot easier to manufacture a spherical mirror than it is a parabolic mirror. So obviously it's cheaper, but it's not going to give you the sharpest image that you'd like. You're going to get a lot of aberrations at the edge um, and it's going to or it's going to have some really funky optical design with like a Barlow or something in the focuser. And it's just going to be it's more frustrating than it really needs to be. So the the thing about the heritage is it's a true they are sorry, there's two of them. There's they are true Newtonian optical systems. So what I mean by that is it has a parabolic primary mirror that's what's collecting the light it's curved um, as a parabolic shape and it's going to focus all the light to the elliptical flat mirror further up the tube so standard newtonian light comes in the front hits the mirror backs off bounces off the primary up to the secondary and then up into the focuser very standard newtonian telescope um, we do have 94 percent reflectivity coatings on all of our primary mirrors, the Heritage, are no different. They're just smaller mirrors. They are also fully collimatable. Now, what you'll find on these less expensive telescopes is normally like the primary is adjustable or the secondary is adjustable um, or nothing's adjustable. And I understand that some might find that that makes it easier. But look, let's be honest. If you're getting into the hobby... You need to know how to take care of your telescopes. You need to understand how to service uh, your equipment. So I understand collimation is not the most complicated thing in the world, but some beginners, um, it can be. I remember when I was starting to mess with uh, Newtonians and the optics, it was a little bit scary to be messing around with your mirrors. But it's something that if you are indeed going to get started in astronomy seriously, you need to understand at some point, you need to understand this is how I maintain my telescope. So it's a good start 
if you could just right off the bat get through that and realize it's not that scary um, and it's nothing to really worry about. So, but having a telescope that's actually set up like a real telescope is going to be uh, is a good way to go. So the Heritage series has uh, fully collimatable uh, optics. So uh, the primary, it's your typical push-pull. You know, it's got some thumb screws back there with springs, and then it's got some locking screws next to each thumb screw that adjust the primary, just like it would on any other Dobsonian telescope. If you understand how to collimate one of these Heritage, the five or six inch telescopes that they are, the simple process of aligning that should be no different on a 10 inch, a 16 inch, a 20 inch, a 30 inch, whatever. The process is the same. So getting that under your belt and finding that it's really not something that's too difficult to do. And once you've got the process down, you're good to go but it's good to set that tone right at the beginning to be like this is how i maintain my newtonian telescope right off the bat it's not a big scary thing so the primaries on these are collimatable as well as the secondary mirrors on both models uh, both models have this three-point uh collimation so your standard uh screws if you just bought one of these Leave the center screw alone. That's a Phillips screw. I understand you might want to mess with it. That is just to mount the secondary mirror and keep it in position. You don't really, or I should say, don't touch it. You just don't need to mess with it. All you need to do with these is adjust the three small metric hex screws that are inside or on the back side of the secondary there. That is your push screws, and that will give you all the adjustments of the secondary that you're going to need. So... That's really it. It's no different than any other Newtonian. It's a very easy system to work with. It's the same for both the 130 and the 150. And it's a, it just sets a good rule of thumb on what you should expect if you're going to jump into a larger instrument later on. So that's how I would recommend that. So, so that, like I said, they're fully collimatable there. Uh, these are collapsible tubes as well. So what's nice about these is... As you can see there, the truss poles would, uh, there's some locking screws on these. They're right there. You can see them. Um, you loosen those and the whole top portion actually shrinks down. And then we have an, a cap for the top there. So the nice thing about it is A, the tube collapses down completely, which means the secondary assembly goes all the way inside the tube. And then there's a front cap on the, on the optical system. And when you're traveling, the tube protects all the optics, so it's all encased inside of the tube. So it is a really nice way to have a nice size telescope that you can actually do some observing with and be able to travel with it without it being super complicated. You know, they're basic Dobsonians. There's no batteries that you need. Maybe just bring your tablet or something if you want to navigate the sky. Very smooth uh, bearings on these to move them around and... When you're done, you just collapse the tube and put the cap on the front and all the optics are safe inside the metal tube. So it's ready for transport um, anywhere you're going to go. So they're very clean uh, telescopes to work with. Oh, and I'm sorry. They do feature every Heritage uh, optical tube is actually mounted with a V-rail on the side there. And that allows you to move it up and down the base 
and get balance but some people actually remove the tubes from the bases and you can put them on your favorite go-to mount if you want maybe you have an az gti and you want to put one on there maybe you have an equatorial mount and you want to pop one on there uh, i have had people do that before um, it makes it easy if you want to switch out the tube a lot of the cheaper telescopes that are on the market they're just stuck on their tube it's it's i'm sorry they're just stuck on their base so there's not really a great way to upgrade if you ever want to do anything but these they mount just like many modern day telescopes do with that vixen rail on the side i think i've got a picture of it somewhere but we'll get to that and you can easily switch that out so um i believe i actually talked about there so hold on just a sec uh all the bases on the heritage have a built-in handle makes it really easy to pick them up and move them around um from place to place uh, well, there's an adjustable tension knob so you can adjust the the tension maybe you're using a slightly heavier eyepiece up at the top and of course there's the vixen rail right there and there's a thumb screw right here and that allows you to loosen it so you can actually move the rail up and down in the base and or completely remove the tube from the actual uh, tabletop base so you could put it on something else if you want so it's, it allows you to kind of have an upgrade path if you want to go that route but at least you can go to a go-to mount or you know switch it to something else if you like you're not just stuck with like three bolts that stick it to the base and you can't do anything else with it 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 does give you a little bit of freedom to work with it uh and we just talked about that you can actually remove it and add it to your uh, mount of choice i've seen people take these off and put them on like uh an eq6r which is super overkill um i've seen people put them on like a celestron avx you know, our AZ GTI works really well with these. If you want something that's a little higher off the ground, it's got a real tripod. Um, so there's some options there uh, where you can get a decent aperture tube that's really nice and compact, but you don't have to keep it on the tabletop dob if you base, if that is what you'd like to do. Now, both models also feature this uh, rear baffle. This protects against any glare that might be coming in from behind the secondary. I have seen people make their own shrouds before. I don't know if AstroZap is making one for these at the moment. They make them for our larger models, like this, the 8-inch on up to the 16-inch for the collapsible series. But uh, this does have a rear back baffle on there to help, you know, just get rid of some of the external glare um, behind the uh, secondary there. And both models feature that as well. So let's start with the smallest one. Uh, this is the Heritage 130P. Um, if you're not familiar with our, you know, naming conventions at Skywatcher, we normally have whatever the series is, so it's Heritage. Um, and then the aperture is generally, uh, the name is listed in the front, followed by whatever the aperture size is in millimeters. And then for the Newtonians, if there's a P on the back, that stands for parabolic. So that's kind of our naming convention, um, if you ever want to know. Um, all of our other Newtonians, kind of Dobsonians, Newtonian series, like the Quattros and the Flex Tubes, they all kind of fall in line the same way. So, optics. That's what everybody wants, right? Everybody wants good optics. So, the Heritage 130 is going to give you 130 millimeter. It's a 5-inch. That's a pretty decent aperture at that point. Um, it's 650 millimeters for the focal length, and it's f5. So... That's still a relatively short focal length to be working with, but it's long enough to where you could add a little bit higher magnification eyepiece 
and easily um, basically easily get some magnification on the planets to make it look nice but then that five inch aperture is really gonna be a lot more there for you to actually dig into it like I said these aren't toy telescopes this isn't some you know little plastic 50 60 70 millimeter lens um, this is a you know glass five inch parabolic primary mirror um, you're actually going to get 56 percent more light gathering power on this telescope or a five inch telescope than you would a four inch telescope so you're you know if you've got some little 80 millimeter thing that's a serious jump in light gathering power so with that with that 56 percent more light you're talking a limiting magnitude of like 13 which means the entire Messier catalog, all 110 objects in the Messier catalog are obtainable in the Heritage 130. Now, I understand it's a small little telescope, but you have enough aperture to go out to a dark sky site and do a Messier marathon um, and actually get all of them. So that's, that's nice to have a, a serious aperture to back you up you can actually get into observing like true observing with one a telescope of this size and it's not just going to be something that you can go out and you can just look at the planets and the moon even though it does very very well with that and you can actually add some magnification get some nice detail out of that you can actually get into deep sky you know some serious deep sky observing with a telescope of this aperture now, minimum magnification, 18, you know, maximum 256. Um, the lowest eyepiece I would recommend on one of these is a 32 plossal. I would That's going to keep your, uh, to where you're not losing light because of the exit pupil. Um, if, if you use too low of a magnification, you can start to see the secondary mirror in the shadow. It's still usable. Um, you could probably go you can still go lower it's just if you want to get all the light that the telescope is focusing and you don't want to lose any of that 32 millimeter plossals are going to be probably the limit of that now you can go ahead and go lower and play around with it but just know you are going to be losing a little bit of light it's really not the end of the world it's just if you want to maximize everything 32 millimeter is going to be the low power for this uh, it's going to give you a two and a half degree field of view so that's quite a chunk of sky and just to show some examples you know here is m31 uh, again 32 plossal um this gives you about 20x you get all of andromeda inside of it and from a dark sky you could see some dust lanes in there and you got m110 and m32 the companions um that's a pretty if you're looking for an easy little wide field telescope one of these is pretty awesome actually so you know, two and a half degrees, you're talking a big chunk of sky for like the North American Nebula, maybe with like an Oxygen 3 filter if you're a more advanced observer. Um, the Veil Nebula, the Lagoon and the Triffid would fit in here. Um, lots of stuff. Uh, the Pleiades is easy, um, easily fits in the field of view of this little telescope. From a, um, a backyard, it would look really nice, but from a dark sky site, it would be tremendous in something like this with that really wide field of view. And, of course, everyone's favorite for the winter, the Orion Nebula would look stunning in one of these in a, a decently dark sky. Um, it would be very impressive from a dark sky site. But even at home, from a somewhat light-polluted sky, 
you could start to really see the Orion Nebula because A, you've got the field of view, and B, you have five inches of aperture to back you up, which means you could use something like a, a UHC filter. Would is There's enough aperture there to where you could actually take advantage of something like that. So, you know, not, not a bad uh, piece of kit to go with. Now, just some physical specs, you know, if you're kind of looking to see how big one of these are. Um, they do use a inch and a quarter helical focuser, and that does rotate the eyepiece. So the eyepiece does physically rotate on these helicals. Um, there's some people that have had these. The threads on the helicals, by the way, are very coarse. So, and it's just a, it's a machined metal housing that the eyepiece drops into. It's got some, I mean, I, I have one here. Let me see if I can just uh, switch over real quick. Bear with me. Okay, sorry about that. I'm going to switch over to my full screen here. So I have a Heritage 150 right here. Um, here is... I'm going to move some stuff here and see if our new camera can actually work with me here. Whoa, super good on vision. Bear with me, guys. We've got a lot of cool new gadgetry here. There we go. This is the helical focuser that comes on the Heritage telescopes. I'm sorry if it's going in and out of view. Um, very coarse focus. Um, you can see right here. Uh, the coarse threads right there. Uh, this is a plastic housing. This is all machined metal um, right up here. What some people have liked to do, to, if you have slop in here, this one's actually not too bad. Um, but if you have some slop in there, what people have done is they put like Teflon pipe tape in there and it will eat up some of the slop um, in there. So obviously because this is a casted plastic uh, thing, it can only be made so accurate. And sometimes they're pretty good. Like this one's actually pretty nice um what is going on with mr camera here Let's see if i can get mr camera back up there we go sorry about that um so you can put some teflon tape on this and if you need to make it smoother i've seen people do that before it's just kind of something to check out by the way uh so that is the focuser for the heritage telescopes right there they are inch and a quarter um so just a uh, heads up there let me whoop, there we go uh cool new camera system there okay let me get back to my powerpoint here real quick pop back over here now again helical focuser inch and a quarter the 130 is 14.7 inches retracted so very very small little thing uh 17 inches extended that seems off i'll have to remeasure that uh, we'll double check that real quick. Our website actually might be wrong. Oh my goodness. Hold on, guys. I want to just confirm that because I don't have the tube sitting here with me. Reflectors. Um, let me just make this bigger and we'll see if I can get the right spec for that because I pulled this from our website. Okay, specifications. There we go. I'm sorry, 25 inches. How did I get that mixed up? So, sorry about that. The length of the tube is actually 25 inches extended. Um, so, you actually get about 10 inches. The, the tube shrinks by about 10 inches 
uh, when when you've got it retracted. So it's actually very small. Uh, the tube is only six and a half pounds. It's very light. Uh, easily would fit on a wide variety of you know telescope mounts, um, even small ones. It would work really well on. Uh, the base is only 14 inches wide, 17 inches tall. So that's going to be your footprint. You're only talking, like if you've got this stored somewhere, you're only talking about a little over a foot of space that this is going to take up. So you can put it on a little table, you can hide it in a corner, whatever it may be. Um, total weight is about 13 and a half pounds for the whole assembly. So it's, it's not a heavy little thing. You could easily pop this in the car for when you want to go out uh, camping or your deep sky or dark sky outings, whatever you want. It's very lightweight, very small. Um, and then the 130 does come with a 25 millimeter and a 10 millimeter super eyepiece is what we call them. I believe they're like a reverse Kellner design. They're not too bad for what they are, uh, but because it is an inch and a quarter helical focuser, you can literally use whatever you want. You've got a nice set of televues laying around, pop a 24 pan optic in there. It's awesome. Um, but any inch and a quarter eyepiece, you know, that you've got, it will work, no problem. Um, it does have a basic red dot finder, so easy way to navigate around the sky. And that just clamps up to the upper cage right there. There's a little dovetail uh, slot that that kind of pops onto. Uh, very easy little assembly there. But that's the 130 uh, right there. And another thing that you might see is the 130 tube is really different from the rest of our tubes. Now, some of you might have been around the hobby long enough to remember 2009 was the International Year of Astronomy. And a lot of uh, tubes came out that had a very similar look to this, and this one's no different. Um, we've kind of kept it because it kind of continues the legacy of the Heritage uh, series, at least on the 130 for the time being. Um, it's adorned with names of famous astronomers from the past. That's what's all over the tube there. I wish I had a sharper image to blow up a little bit more, but, um, you know, Charles Messier and many others like that are, um, on the tube there listed there. So it's kind of a cool thing. Galileo is listed on there. Um, kind of a cool thing that makes the 130 a little bit unique in comparison to the rest of the uh, Skywatcher lineup, and it kind of continues the legacy of heritage and why these uh, telescopes exist. So that is the 130P, uh, Heritage 130, a great little intro telescope if you're looking for something, you know, not too small, but an actual serious telescope. Um, it's good for beginners. It's good for advanced users. If you just want something to kind of pop out, grab and go, and you're like, you like Dobbs or simplicity, it's a fun little thing. Now the Heritage 130 has been around for several years. Um, it's a nice little telescope, but we did find that there was room to maybe go bigger. So I think it was early. It was actually late last year. I think is when we actually announced the Heritage 150. Um, and then, of course, with all the manufacturing stuff going on, it's been hard to get those in. But they are shipping now, the Heritage 150P. This is the bigger addition to the Heritage 130, the bigger brother. Uh, this is a 150 millimeter uh, aperture, which I'm sure you've kind of figured out from the, the naming convention there on the tube. Um, it is parabolic. This is a full 6-inch aperture, uh, little Dobsonian at this point. You're getting 750 millimeter focal length. It's f5 again. 
Um, but now with that larger mirror and more surface area, we're talking about 44% more light than the 130. Um, that's almost half a magnitude more um, that you can get. So all those Messier objects are going to be brighter, easier to see. You're going to be able to see fainter things. You can actually really dig into like the NGC catalog um, with a six inch telescope, you know, with high magnification, you can glimpse some of the planets um, in pretty nice detail at that point with some higher magnification lenses. Um, again, 21X is the minimum for one of these and 295, almost 300 power um, would be the max. Now, for those of you who are new, when you see someone or something list the magnifications like minimum, Minimum magnification generally means it's the lowest magnification you can go with an eyepiece before you start to lose light. Maximum magnification is mathematically the highest magnification that the telescope can theoretically handle, all things being equal. Now, things in reality are never equal, ever. So seeing conditions which we have a whole episode on you can go back and uh, learn about that will completely dictate how much magnification you can use for an evening there might be times where you can push it past 300 power but it really comes down to how calm and clear the sky is going to be that night so just because there's something on there that says blah 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 blah, blah power it really comes down to, and this is like realistic power. There's other cheaper telescopes that say 500 power. Um, that's crap, honestly. It's it's just a mathematical thing that someone plugged in as a marketing gimmick. If you've got some tiny refractor that says it can do 500 power, you're never going to get that out of it. It just will not happen. Something like this. On a good night, you could probably push up to 300 on it and get a sharp image out of it. But just remember that the scene conditions and stability of the sky is going to dictate that from night to night. So now with this one, eh, I kind of went with the 32 plus as the lowest again. And you're looking at another 2.1 degree field. So it's not as wide, uh, but it's still plenty wide enough. You can still get a good chunk of Andromeda, all the Pleiades. All of Orion will fit in there. Um, it's still a pretty wide field little telescope that you can go cruise the nighttime sky with. It's awesome if you're cruising the Milky Way in the summer, you know, down where the Lagoon and the Trifid and M16 and 17, all those really, um, you know, those those summertime gems that you like to look at. It's a six inch F5 telescope. Perfect little thing. It weighs nothing. Um, so it's a really good little wide field uh telescope to actually work with there so that's kind of a cool thing about it plus you're getting that extra 44 percent light grasp gain from going from the 130 to the 150 so that would be why at this time they've all been sold now physical specs obviously uh this has an inch and a quarter helical just like the 130 does it keeps it pretty simplistic so there's not really a great way to add two inch you can't change the focuser out unless you want to completely modify this telescope um it's just made to be very easy and simplistic on this so inch and a quarter helical um 
The optical tube is 16.7 inches retracted and it's 27 inches extended. So it's still fairly compact of a telescope. Uh, the tube is about eight pounds. So again, it's probably pushing the upper limits of something like an AZ GTI, but it's something that you can definitely, you know, put on a little equatorial, uh, something like our EQM 35, the, um, HEQ5, AZ EQ5, all those would be overkill for this thing, but it would work really well on it. Um, an AVX, that'd be fine from Celestron. Um, Base is a little bit bigger. It's 14, almost 15 inches wide, uh, 17 inches tall. So the footprint, if you're storing this thing, is about 15 inches uh, uh, circular. Is about how much space this would take up if you need something that small. And the whole telescope only weighs about 15, 16 pounds. So it's not super heavy. It's an easy one to actually kind of work around with. But it's a full six-inch telescope at that point. You know, you can actually um, get out and start doing stuff with it. I have seen people do some astrophotography with this thing. The nice thing about the retractable tubes on this is if you need more in-focus for a basic camera, you can retract the tube and find more focus, more inward focus, which you normally can't do with a Newtonian. Um, but if you put this on something like an equatorial go to equatorial you could start messing around with imaging with it you know you could put a small inch and a quarter camera in there and maybe do some live stacking astrophotography it's f5 it's very fast so it would be decent for something like that but it's an easy little telescope that you could start messing around with um, on a more serious level if you really wanted to um, and of course that includes our our basic uh, 25 millimeter and 10 millimeter super eyepieces, that's gonna give you 30X, 75X, and that is a red dot finder that actually um, comes with the telescope. But you're talking a full six inch telescope. It's great for observing. Um, I do wanna show you guys real quick. I'm gonna flip out to my camera again here. See if I can get all this in here. I'm gonna sound a little further away from the mic. See if I can get this. So. Um, here is the full optical tube of the Heritage 150, 27 inches, fully extended. Um, as you can see there, um, the Heritage 150 does have uh, three spider veins, where the 130 just has a single stock. Um, and the nice thing, um, also, this was a kind of a test prototype um, that I've got here. The, the dovetail that actually comes with the 150s now is green. So mine's just black. Um, but what's nice about these is, you know, this is a metal tube here. And like I said earlier, you can actually loosen these screws. So if you have one of these, locate the truss locks is what I call them down here at the bottom where they meet the tube. You can loosen these. There's one on each pole. And when you're done for the night, you can actually push down and it should just nicely shrink down on there can lock those down and now your tube is real small you know almost 15 inches i think is what the the one i'm sorry the 150 is and then you've got your cap and the cap's just gonna fit on top there it does have notches to line up with the 
the spider veins, so you're going to have to find the pattern there where it fits down. There we go. And then there you go. See, that whole thing right there is now contained inside of itself, so it's kind of nice. The focuser does stick out on the side there, so you want to pay attention to that. But you could take this and put this in like some kind of large padded bag, and that's your whole telescope right there. It's all nice and uh, handled inside of the tube there. So that way it's storing and keeping all of your optics clean. Um, keeps a lot of the dust out. And, you know, you could even, heck, you could even put this in a carry-on bag if you wanted to. And then if you're flying somewhere, um, it's something that you could actually take somewhere. It's small enough to where you could put this in a carry-on case and take it with you on a plane and you've got a full six inch telescope um i remember when i went to hawaii my first time back with my family years ago i wish i had something like this because being out there would have been awesome but i had to take a little three inch refractor which wasn't bad but this would be a major upgrade um like i said earlier there's your helical focuser right there um this is the mounting point for the finder this is the same on the 130 as well. So it's got this little uh, dovetail right here. And then you've got the helical focuser um, right there. So it's kind of a cool setup right there. But the thing I like about these the most is they are self-contained inside once you've got it all, all put away. And you can just take that, make sure those truss screws are, are locked down, and just pop that and put it down and there you go and then the base well i've got it here uh bases are branded just so you have it there there's the handle it does make it real nice and easy to uh grip that with and then on the flip side on the arm there there is the vixen style sorry uh vixen style saddle right there you can lock that down if you need to you could put other telescopes on this too um if you just want some simple little tabletop thing um there it is so but that that works really well um uh, so that is the heritage series and i thought i would have a little bit more to cover on that it would eat up more of an hour but we kind of blew through it um here's the eyepiece right here this is the 10 millimeter uh super Get that focused right there. Just a real basic eyepiece, but does a nice job. There's also a 25 millimeter in there as well. Um, so that gives you a lot there. But if you guys have any questions now, now would be the time. We kind of, this is probably going to be one of our shortest episodes. But, you know, got two telescopes to talk about there. But real quick, um, just because we are at the end. If you guys like what you see here, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It does help us out a lot. It keeps this going. Um, if you like, uh, leave a like on the video. If you have questions or comments or you have an idea for a future episode, uh, email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. We'd always love hearing from you guys. We really appreciate the support. Um, and we're always looking for new ideas, especially as we move into uh, next year. We always want new ideas for uh, topics. Next week, we're going to be... I'm sorry. I'm still moving around all this stuff. There we go. Let me pop myself up there. Go ahead, like, subscribe, info at skywatcherusa.com if you've got any 
ideas for uh, future episodes. We really appreciate it. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking eyepieces. Um, we get a lot of questions. We did an episode like this with filters where there's a lot of options out there. Some designs are better used for certain types of observing. So next week, we're going to be talking about eyepiece designs and when to use them, like, you know, when to use a 100-degree eyepiece or why would you want a 100-degree field of view eyepiece or when's a good idea to use a plossel. And it, a lot of times it doesn't matter, but there are some applications that benefit better from certain designs. So we're going to talk about that next week. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up this week. So if you've got any questions now, I will be happy. I know there's a few floating around in there. We'll be happy to answer those. Um, thanks very much for hanging out with us this Friday. I know this was a relatively short episode. Um, that's our heritage line of Dobsonians. If you have one, thanks for supporting us. If you're interested in one, hopefully this episode was a little bit more informative about that. Um, so yeah, talk to your local dealer if you've got any interest on that. So two questions I think are floating in here. Um, if you guys have any more, now's the time to write into it. Um, Bill, does the dovetail allow it to be mounted to a C-gem? Um, so I think the C-gem 2 comes with a dv saddle i don't know an older c gem only had a d plate saddle so there was no there'd be no way to mount it unless you got like an adm saddle but um i guess the way around it let me check something here something i would have to check some of our other dobs or tubes They'll have this Vixen-style dovetail plate right here, and they'll have some inch and a quarter holes drilled into it. And you could mount, like, a D-plate to the Vixen rail plate here if you needed to mount it to a D-saddle. Uh, um, I'd have to check a production one to see if that has it. I think the 130, because it's got a longer dovetail, does. I don't know about the 150. So, uh, you or you would need some kind of adapter like a D plate to V saddle if you wanted to mount it to a C gem or something similar. So that is um, how I would do that if you wanted to mount it to. Oh, if you've got a C gem too, it should just mount right to it um, with the the D V saddle that uh, they sell on that mount. So yeah, you could mount it to a C gem too without any major modifications or any adapters. Let's see, Felix, I know Skywatcher has discontinued the Stargate 500 and 450s. Um, is there a chance that you can talk about the Skywatcher Stargate series? Um, we'll have to talk about that one. Um, I suppose we could do an episode on it because they do exist. Um, it's not something that uh, obviously we're selling anymore. For those of you who don't know, the Stargate series were our trust jobs. The 18, which was the 450, and the 20-inch was the 500. Um, so that's, uh, something that, uh, we did offer for a while. Um, it just got to a point, I'll just talk about them right now real quick. Um, it just got to a point where we were having an issue with the go-to base, which I believe has actually been remedied at the moment, but we kind of found that a, the expectations on those scopes were very high. And then a lot of people really wanted them to be like something like an obsession for less money and for the most part they did a really nice job there they have a couple corks they're not the easiest to transport um but you know really 
that's not our market so much at this point. Um, we you don't sell a lot of scopes that size, and if you're as someone who's owned a 16 inch, a 20 inch Obsession, I've got a 28 inch in the works right now. If you're getting a Dobsonian that's that big, you really need to know what you're getting into um, for something like that. It's a big telescope, and they're heavy. Um, and we just found that they really just didn't fit our market that much. If you want something like that, there are plenty of great manufacturers. Um, Obsession is fantastic. Um, you have New Moon, Ryan at New Moon Telescopes makes beautiful custom telescopes. You have Rob Teeter who makes amazing telescopes. Um, I know I'm leaving some other people out. There's a lot of options if you want something in that 18 inch plus class of Dobbs. And it just, for as much work as they were, it just didn't fit Skywatcher's uh, marketing, or not marketing, our sales our area that we kind of specialize in, you know, 16 on down worked out really well and still does. So that's kind of where we're at with the Stargates. They are floating out there. They do exist. Um, they're still big telescopes. They give nice views, but it just didn't make sense for us to continue with them. At least here in North America, I don't, I can't speak for any other region besides North America, but that's why we don't have them any longer, but they're out there if you want one. Uh, I think, think that's pretty much it so if you guys have any further questions or you want to check out anything else or you have some ideas for a future webcast go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com um if you have any uh equipment uh you know go to our website www.skywatcherusa.com it's got all of our offerings there if you're not in north america please check with your local dealer if you have questions about the heritage series um, they'll, I'm sure will be happy to help you out with that. So we're going to end it a little bit early today, but thank you guys very much for hanging out with us. I uh, really appreciate it. Have a great safe weekend. It's still a thin crescent moon out there. So, um, dark skies are still available this weekend. So best of luck on that. Um, and then next week, uh, you can join us for the eyepiece episode. So uh, let's see. There's one more question for Felix. I just bought a pre-owned SynScan 450. Congratulations. Uh, saw the horse head in it with this morning. I don't know if I can see that. Yes. 18 inches of aperture with like a H beta or UHC is horse head territory for sure. So very, very nice. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, for Felix for getting a Stargate. Uh, if you guys have any other information or questions or whatever, go ahead and reach out to us. Thanks very much. We'll see you guys next week for our eyepiece uh, segment. Take care and have a great, safe weekend. Bye, everybody.